Hello, welcome to this episode of Cadet Cast. My name is Erin Schneider, Assistant Principal at Hilton High School, and I'll be your host for this review of Module 1 from Technology in the Content Area. This episode is inspired by an article called Studying New Literacies by Noble and Lankshire. Specifically in this article, they encourage that students work with multimedia types as new literacies, and they also encourage teachers to experience these literacies themselves. Today, we will be exemplifying this by getting some educational leaders into these new literacies. We'll have two guests later in the program, Principal Dr. Jeffrey Green from Hilton High School and Assistant Principal Mr. Mark D'Amico, who will be speaking with us on a few topics from the K-12 Horizon Report. Before we get to our guests for today, I wanted to spend a few moments talking about Universal Design for Learning, Theory and Practice by Meyer, Rose, and Gordon. In reviewing this resource, it really spoke to me because I work with the 5 to 10% of students here at Hilton High School who struggle for a variety of reasons, some academic, some disciplinary, some uh, struggle because of other risk factors or uh, be- things related to what we now call their ACEs score. In the UDL resource that we reviewed, one quote that spoke to me was, too many individuals continue to be under challenge, stressed, or simply disaffected because of the narrow and rigid kinds of teaching and learning that schools continue to promulgate. For me, This encapsulated exactly what I see with learners who struggle and that this gets compounded year after year. And if there isn't a successful intervention, these students uh, fall behind in their learning, become frustrated. And by the time they get to the secondary education system uh, are really tapped out. You know, currently I have some students who won't even step in the building, even if they're in the building, can't get into a classroom uh, because they've become so disengaged. I really um, like the UDL uh, guidelines surrounding engagement and building in a differentiated ways for students to become engaged and that this needs to happen in the the pedagogy and the design of the curriculum. Uh, I also like the idea that we can use technology to increase this engagement. Okay, as promised, we now have one of our guests in this cadet cast, Dr. Jeffrey Green, principal of Hilton High School. And particularly today, he's going to be talking with us about the K-12 Horizon Report, um, the section on page 16, Growing Focus on Measuring Learning, 
in his first year as principal, he's done a, a lot of work with staff on data and measurement. And this is uh, a topic that we're going to be continuing working on here as instructional leaders in Hilton. So welcome, Dr. Green. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we're also modeling here, exploring new technologies as leaders, right, Dr. Green? Yes, this is my first ever appearance on a podcast. Oh, I, I hope it is not your last. So where are you at on measuring learning? Where is the building at and where are you hoping to take us in the future? I think the article, the title is pretty spot on. There's a growing focus on the need to measure learning um, more so than ever before. Um, it just seems to be a continually increasing area of growth for educators not just here in Hilton, but everywhere. And anything specific that you've seen this year that you think we do well as far as measuring learning? Uh, I've seen a lot of work with eDoctrina, um, teachers being able to get the formative assessments done in a quick fashion, be able to give that quick feedback in order to not only um, tell the students where they're at, but to inform their future instruction. Yeah, we've had a Quite a journey with eDoctrina, and you know we we used eDoctrina, then we didn't, and, and now we are again this year. And um, I've seen some staff, you know, use it for be able to actually program their assessments in there and get that feedback really quickly. Have you been in classrooms where you've seen um, teachers actually giving the assessments right on eDoctrina? Um, I've only seen that a little bit, but I do hear a lot of talk about that. I mean, when we were talking about in our program coordinator meeting, the, the program coordinators want um, the regents' exams to use eJartina scan scantron sheets so that they can get the data back quicker than they get them through the, the typical state warehouse reporting system, so they can look at the data, break it down by question even sooner. So sounds like you're seeing, hearing from your staff that not only are they they want this data, but they want it sooner. I think that's a great point. A lot of times we don't get that region's data and feedback from New York State for, for quite some time. And then it's, sometimes it's really hard to look at once we get it from them. So hopefully using eDoctrina for that will uh, improve our practice here. Uh, anything else regarding measuring data that you hope to move us toward in the future? Um, I just think it's something that we need to continually to look at because we've done so much as far as looking at um, improving our standards and knowing where it is that we want to be uh, uh, for our students to be at. And so it is uh, very important that the next step in order to know where we're trying to go is where we're at right now. And so that's where you need to be constantly assessing. All right, great. Well, thank you for your time today. Maybe we'll have you back for a future uh, episode of Cadetcast. Okay. Before we move on to our next guest, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Future Ready Learning Report from 2016 from the Office of Education and Technology that we reviewed. A few things stood out to me in this report. Uh, one of them is definitely encapsulated by Dr. Green, who we just heard from, and that is the commitment to a growth mindset. I think that as a leader, he is encouraging that here at Hilton uh, with our staff and our leadership team that we are going to be um, continually improving, continually open to new ideas, challenging ourselves, and often they might make us uncomfortable. 
And you know, on page 31 of the Future Ready Learning article, it also talked about the struggle of having staff teach what they don't know. We had this this year with our staff using Flipgrid. Uh, they were encouraged to use Flipgrid as part of a tech incentive project. Uh, Flipgrid is an example of interactive learning, which is also talked about in the Future Ready Learning article. Often staff are comfortable having a growth mindset and exploring new technologies as they go, learning with their students and learning from their students. While I see other staff that if they are not comfortable with the tech tool are not able to roll it out in their classroom because they uh, just aren't confident in it yet. Another thing in the future ready learning article that I wanted to mention was the idea of uh, bringing equity and the use of technology could be passive or active. I definitely see this as a, a parent and try to work with my students and my own children on active use uh, as good digital citizens of media. And then again, the article ties it back to UDL, Universal Design for Learning. Um, I really like the way it's outlined in, in three main points in this article. It's outlined as providing multiple means of representation so that students can approach information in more than one way, providing a means of expression so that all students can demonstrate and express what they know, and providing multiple means of engagement to stimulate interest in and motivation for learning. And this is on page 17. These three points would enable students to access learning, to be engaged in learning, and give staff a guideline for how to approach UDL to help their students be successful and help them feel as though they're they're doing their job to help their students. Uh, finally, the last thing was the mention in this article of uh, MOOCs, M-O-O-C-S, uh, specifically, they talk about one from Coursera. I had never been exposed to a MOOC, and in a course I took last semester, um, explored them uh, as part of an assignment, and it was really interesting. The um, MOOCs that are out there, how many topics they cover, how they're self-paced, which is very UDL, and also that they, many of them are free. I think this is an interesting area for schools to explore. I've mentioned the idea of a MOOC to some colleagues and nobody had even heard of them. Um, so I think that K-12 education, particularly maybe even the high school level, uh, this could be something that students explore maybe for independent study type credit and could help some students to prepare for their future and engage in some elective type credits. Uh, this could be a concern with, with unions, but uh, it's something I think would be worth uh, secondary edu education looking into. For our final segment, we are here with Assistant Principal 
an esteemed colleague, Mark Tomiko, and he has been working with our makerspace here at Hilton High School for the past few years. Welcome to the program, Mark. Thank you. It's great to be here. Fantastic. So as we were just reflecting on the K-12 uh, Horizon report, we were looking at the makerspace section on page 40 and zoned in on the quote uh, in the first column under the overview section. Uh, the quote talks about makerspaces as workshop environments that encourage development of higher order skills like problem solving and creativity as students engage in self-directed tinkering. The notion that failure is an essential part of learning is off-sighted, but not always seamlessly ingrained in school culture. So Mark and I were just talking about that quote and talking about some of our makerspace experiences here in Hilton. And Mark, could you start out by just kind of giving us an idea of what you've seen that's been positive as a part of trying to integrate a makerspace into the Hilton High School culture? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, it's kind of interesting, just like the process that we've been going through trying to develop the makerspace is kind of our own version of this, you know, effort, fail, change, fix, improve sort of process. Um, it's been three years. We, re, we refashioned an old storage room off of our library and turned it into a makerspace. So we equipped it with some, um, you know, tech tools that students wouldn't necessarily have access to at home. So um, some beefed up computers for uh, digital design, uh, a Mac that is able to do, that has uh, video editing software on it, green screen, poster, printer, um, 3D printers and the like. So just giving, having the resources there um, as is, okay, you know, to as they say in the article, democratize access to those tools for kids. Mm -hmm. um, and we've also tethered that to some opportunities for students to kind of own the space. Mm -hmm. um, kids with an, a particular interest or knowledge with some of those tools being available to pass that knowledge on to not only their peers, but also staff members in the building who may want to learn how to use, you know, Adobe Spark or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so the you know our our vision for it was is has been strong and we're continuing to push that. I think our challenges have been just the time and the access for kids. Um, when we were talking before before this interview, we we were just discussing that. You know, in, at the high school level, kids have a pretty packed schedule. Mm -hmm. And when they do have some free time in their day, a lot of that time is used to complete tasks and projects that have been assigned them. Yeah. So not necessarily having the time to tinker, which is really, you know, at its, at its core, what we want our kids to be able to do and sort of take on their own projects and find their own way through it. Yeah. Um, our kids are, have so much going on. They have a lot. Yeah. And... If, if that's what we want to get to, I think that would that's a great place because we've we've got to get back to basics in terms of making it okay for kids to not know mm -hmm. <laughs> and and to figure it out for themselves or to start to make their projects more relevant. Um, maybe you know tethering what they're doing in school to some of their own interests outside of school. 
yeah. uh, bringing kids together to work on projects that you know they may want to do um, together to complete you know some sort of assignment in school so maybe bridging that gap um, the biggest success actually we've had in our makerspace which it does stray a little bit from the core vision or idea of what makerspaces are used for but um, we have had classes utilize our makerspace to do more collaborative work and that's mm -hmm. been a success and I think that is maybe more a function of the space being just a flexible open learning space for people mm -hmm. versus kind of more of a traditional classroom setting nice. and we've had that's been probably our biggest success especially in the areas of like computer science and kids working on codes and things together and that space has been um, has been pretty impressive and we've also you know, try to expose as many people to the space by having monthly maker fairs and challenges, um, you know, kind of posted on our student websites and having kids take on a challenge, you know, and usually in the past we've, we've tried to have those challenges be themed to the season. Yep. Um, so those are some of the things that we have tried and we're going to continue to work through um, and hopefully we can build more capacity. With our new library with media our, yeah, specialist, with our, yeah. We have a new library media specialist. We've moved the space to a, a little bit larger area because we're repurposing an old computer lab. Mm -hmm. So that's going to now be in a larger makerspace, which that's exciting too. Yeah, and here too it talked about them being visible. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if that would help us, the move to, you know, the, the new area has mm -hmm. some open windows. Yes. Yeah. The old area was maybe a little more out of the way. Yeah, so. I mean, the, the people with an interest are the ones who found it, and the yep. people without an interest weren't going around looking for it. So, yeah. really, yeah, the exposure and consistency and finding inroads so that, you know, the kids who may not see themselves as, you know, interested in STEM, STEAM, mm -hmm. what have you, um, but may have a an interest or the, you know, the the start of an interest, maybe we can build on that. Yeah, and I think that having staff be aware of it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. continually offering it mm -hmm. to their students as, a, as an option for projects or assessments, I think the more we ingrain that in the culture, that'll yep. keep growing. Well, maybe you and I can spend some time this summer looking at some more makerspace resources. Absolutely. Administrators love planning in the summer. <laughs> it's, it's, our, it's our fun time. It's our fun time. All right. Well, thank you, Mark, for uh, your time today on this Cadet Cast. Maybe we'll have you back again for another episode. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah. Good luck with the rest of the cast. I need it. Come back. Bye. Just wanted to take a moment to wrap up my module one journal in podcast format, uh, giving credit to the Anchor app that allows easy music overlay, um, which I obviously got a little too carried away with, and it allows for musical transitions, which I also got carried away with. And those are the things that are fun for students that are engaging for those who are musically inclined. Um, it also allows for editing of the individual sound bites, moving them around, and very easily allows for deleting and re-recording. 
So I've heard of some other apps that can be used with students. Synth is one for podcasting, but I hope that uh, some of the blossoming educators in our class consider using podcasting across the content areas as they uh, continue their preparatory work in preparing to be teachers and that I can continue exploring Anchor and encouraging both administrative leaders and teachers to incorporate it into their practice. Thank you for listening today and a big shout out to Dr. Jeffrey Green, Principal of Hilton High School and Assistant Principal Mark D'Amico for being guest speakers today. Hope to see you again soon on CadetCast.